Hello and welcome to my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and events experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. Hello, this is episode 15 of my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. Thank you very much for listening again this week. I hope you're well. It is now going to be the, the second week of October. So the caravan show, the MO to Home and Caravan show, I should call it, at the NEC will be looming large. And I'm sure many people are working very, very hard getting everything ready and uh, on time to be delivered to the show and ready to meet the public. I'm looking forward to going to it again. I think I said last week that I'll be there Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. So if you're going to be around, want to say hello, have a quick catch up, please let me know and uh, we'll, I, I can put something in the diary. That'd be really, really good. So this week I have looked at a different tip for the caravan industry that we haven't looked at before, and that is what it's like running a campsite. At the moment, like a lot of industries and even well, everyone, costs are rising enormously for, for utilities, well, actually everything on the campsite. So I've spoken to the owner of the Elm Cottage Touring Park in Cheshire, where I stayed at the start of September when I was attending a Caravan Writers Guild weekend rally. And just to hear what it's like to be an owner and try to manage and run a campsite. It might be something you've always pondered on or thought about or dreamed about. It certainly was for Jackie and James Spencer. This is the first campsite that they've owned. Quite a brave decision, you might think, but they had been motor, had a motorhome for many years and loved it and uh, wanted to have their own business for it and get out of the uh, sort of corporate rat race that they were sort of in at the time. So it's quite an interesting insight into, into the ups and downs and the roller coaster of uh, running a campsite. But more importantly, looking at what it's like today and their major concerns for the future, really, because of the rising costs of electricity and sewage, absolutely everything, combined with the increasing amount of electricity that people use when they're away in their caravans, camper vans, motorhomes, or even a tent if you're using uh, electrical items to uh, bump it up and then power your, your cooking equipment when you're there. So, and awfully, we've got electric cars to factor into the equation for many site owners. So this is a really interesting insight into what it's like to run an, and own your own campsite. And I will leave Jackie to explain. Here we go. So today's podcast guest is a former deputy head teacher who had a dream of owning her own campsite. Jackie and her husband, James, who worked in IT in London, actually turned this dream into reality, gave up their jobs and moved uh, with their two girls from Berkshire to Elm Cottage Touring Park uh, in Cheshire. I met Jackie and James when I stayed at their campsite during an event with the Caravan Writers Guild recently, where we had a really interesting and entertaining discussion about the ups and downs that they've been through since buying the campsite. But more and more topically, some of the current issues around cost of utilities and managing some customer expectations. So I'm looking forward to learning a lot more from Jackie in this interview, and I hope you are too. So hello, Jackie. Hello. Yeah, it's good to be talking to you today. I'm sure you don't get much spare time to sit down and talk to someone like this. No, it's a it's a rare treat, John. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, make sure you make the most of it. <laughs> so it was really good to meet you the other week, and your campsite is very, very, very high standard. Particularly the facilities were fantastic, way on, well on par with the best out there, I'd say. Oh, that's great. Thank you. And uh, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. We had a nice trip into uh, Chester, which I hadn't been to before, so it's good. How long have you been there now? It will have been seven years in August, August 2015, we we moved in. Okay, so the years are starting to add up. Yes, definitely, yeah. And uh, so how how did you have, where did the dream come from in the first place to, to own a campsite? Well, funnily enough, it, my husband and I bought a motorhome when our girls were, were young and we took it to Scotland to watch the Ryder Cup. We both were keen golfers at that point. And we stayed on a campsite really basic and they were charging about I don't know 100 pounds a night just because it was Ryder Cup 
And we sort of sat in our brand new motorhome and added up the number of people who were paying £100 a night and thought, wow, you know, we could be doing this. We could be earning an absolute fortune. <laughs> um, yeah. why, why, why on earth aren't we doing it? Yeah. And then subsequently we've stayed on uh, many sites. We were campers first and uh, with my um, sister and her husband, we've sat there and always the same thing. We've added up the number of people on how many people, how much they're paying a night and said, yeah, we 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 should be doing this. We've, we'd always wanted to be self-employed. And James, my husband, was an engineer by his degree. Okay. He, he got to the point where he didn't want to wear a suit. He didn't want to commute into London. Yeah, get that. He'd done 16 years of very high-pressure sales. And he said, I just want to work outside. I don't want to build things, make things, fix things. And yep. so on the way home from the Ryder Cup, we Googled campsites and found out that they were just well over a million pounds, you know, 1.2, 1.8, 2 million. And we kind of said, well, mm, we can't do that. We, we haven't got any millions. Um, mm -hmm. So we had to park the dream. Um, and then the following Easter, we stayed with, a, we stayed at uh, Adam Henson's campsite in the Cotswolds and met a friend there and she said, I know you're not looking for a campsite anymore, but I've seen one and it's 560,000. And she said, I thought you might be able to afford that. And I thought, well, you know, 560,000. That's a lot more reasonable. I've never seen anything under a million pounds. Yeah. So we went to have a look, a look at it anyway. It was like a runway strip with a steep edge and it was clear as to why it was actually so cheap. Okay. But it got us talking again and... On that Easter Sunday, after we'd seen this place, James said, please just find me a campsite. Oh, wow. Wow. Just have a look again. Let's, yeah. Please just try. So I set to work and found a company that specialised in selling campsites, which was in York, actually, the northern branch. I can't remember the name of the company. Sure. And gave them a call and they had two sites that were under a million pounds. Wow. So we thought, well, can we raise the money and that's that's where it started really wow okay so i get that i get that the bug i've done well not quite a similar thing but i've, I've left corporate life to work for myself for the last nine years so I, I get the 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 gist of it but running a campsite is is quite and quite a a big a big task a big commitment yes I think you're brave to take, to take it on. Have you not seen these programs on TV where they do, you know, what, what's it called? Chasing the dream or whatever it is. And Ben Fogel goes and spends time with these people. And, and there's normally big ups and downs. And I know you've had big ups and downs. So do you want to tell us how it all got started and what the first couple of years were like? Well, the, the first really big problem was trying to get a loan. So uh, we had two properties to sell in Seal in Berkshire <laughs> to raise about half a million with those and we we needed another 450,000 and the banks were just not prepared to loan we had no experience in owning a campsite and therefore it was a it was a brick wall straight away got very disheartened and then finally found a chap at Lloyd's Bank called David Jockel I remember him so dearly <laughs> because he said yeah I think we could probably do something about this oh wow and he was the first person who gave me some hope that we could turn this dream into a reality and that we could borrow the money to to make the purchase and he held my hand throughout the whole process he did also look at the books and said your husband needs to carry on working in for salesforce you can't uh -huh. you can't it, it, the, the, the amount of money that the campsite makes will not support you all right so James agreed to that and then it all went through. Very, really time consuming. You know, three months I stopped work in order to work full time on, on the purchase and the wow. sale of our other properties. So, wow. so yes, yeah, so then the big move came and we, we traipsed up north. So that was, so that was sort of day one. Very quickly realised that it was much, much harder work than we thought it was going to be, uh, especially with James working in London. So he was commuting from crew. Yeah. three days a week so he was away from home a couple of nights a week I was with at home with in a, eight in a new town and no in support new, network yeah, yeah. nobody yeah trying to run the place on my own because we couldn't afford staff obviously right respect <laughs> so it was a it was a really steep learning curve yeah I made some fundamental mistakes the, the main one was I didn't negotiate our electric electricity contract and we slipped onto a standard variable rate so our first quarter electricity bill was eleven thousand pounds 
And we only had about £3,000 in the bank. So I cried. Oh, I bet, I bet. (laughs) I cried on the phone to them and I just said, you know, we, we stuck with you because the previous owners were with you and spoke highly of you. You knew how high our usage was and you haven't treated me fairly at all. Right. And I really took them to task on it. And in the end, they reduced it by 50% and they allowed us to pay it off in instalment mm-hmm. because we would have, we just didn't have, we just didn't have that sort of money. Yeah, yeah. I've still got that bill. Oh. As a testament <laughs> to how important it is to be yeah. thorough and make sure, you know, but I was doing so much. Yeah, I, just yeah. I, I, I was barely keeping my head above the water. Yeah, yeah. I was a primary school teacher. I wasn't a businesswoman. I wasn't. No, it's a completely different, completely different ballgame. I mean, at least you're good at talking to people and dealing with people, because that must be a big part of the job as well. You've got to deal with the general public for, for starters, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, that's the fun bit. That's the, easy, that's the easy stuff. I love that. I, I, okay. I love meeting new people. Okay, good. Sharing the story and 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 people have come to me saying we want to do the same thing and I've sat them down over a cup of tea and I've really talked them through the pitfalls you know the, the highs and the lows of it because I, I I feel very passionately about what to do and I'd like to support other people who are also trying to realize a dream yeah okay that's good and so you obviously meet lots of nice people I'm sure not 100% of them are nice but on the whole you enjoy it and you would you do it again well, yeah, absolutely. You're still doing it, obviously. Yes, people, people say all the time, would you go back? Would you go yeah. back to being a primary school teacher to yeah. to being employed? And the answer is definitely not. I mean, it, 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 is, it is good to be self-employed and it is a really rewarding industry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have a lovely, lovely campsite mm-hmm. and people on the whole have a really, really good time. So you're always surrounded by people who are having fun oh, and nice. who are enjoying how clean everything is. So they're generally very happy campers and that that feeling gets fed back to us all the time so what's not to like about it being in a job surrounded by happy people okay but it's must be quite 24 7 do you get do you get much free time or time to yourself no and the family no (laughs) not really i mean we are trying harder as the girls we we, we've gradually increased our staff each year so we started off with one pair of wardens who work two days a week and they used to be on Saturday at five o'clock, and oh, yeah. I just dreaded that. Then, <laughs> you know, we were we were back onto doing the night checks, and you know, all the toilet cleaning. You know, I was cleaning the toilets at midnight on some nights, wow. and then up again wow. at half six, back in the toilets at seven o'clock. Wow! And yeah. you know, I remember that there was some backlash from my young girls that said, you know, this was supposed to be about being able to see more of us and having more family time and actually yep. it's backfired completely and we hardly see you and they they had a couple of years of being quite feral themselves <laughs> 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 I remember my uh she must have been eight by this point and we'd been building the new seasonal pictures and we came in freezing cold and she'd made spaghetti bolognese and she'd got the table laid and she'd made it and she'd put two wine glasses out and a big bottle of wine in the middle and Oh. just gobsmacked and <laughs> Bless her. You know, they had to they had to sort of grow up quite a lot and be resilient really mm-hmm. i mean i know what you mean i i've been self-employed for uh, say nine years i'd probably find it hard to be employed again i'd have to ask someone for a day off and to go through all those sort of things and go to all those meetings and stuff but yeah everything has its ups and downs it doesn't uh, there's pluses and minuses to, to everything but so you're how big is your site how many pictures have you got in We've got 120 pitches. So we've okay, got that's a fair amount. currently 30 seasonal pitches. We, we had 10 seasonal pitches when we bought it. Yeah. And then we very quickly realised that there was some money, some stability in that side yeah. of things. And yeah. There was a huge demand for it. So we built oh, nine more in our first uh, winter, I think. And then we, bu- we built 11 more wow. the following year to give us the 30. And then... We've got 35 all-weather pitches on the touring park and then we've got 50 pitches on the campsite. Okay, so you've developed the park quite a lot then? Lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We, it, needed, it needed something. It, was, it wasn't doing particularly well. Okay, so um, it needed a new... The reputation wasn't there. Right. 
And so it needed it needed some changes and it needed some new fresh marketing with, you know, under new management um, mm-hmm. to sort of, we were we were really starting from scratch by this point. Yeah. Do your customers come, are they mainly, do they come very far? Are they local or? I, I'd say an hour and a half to an hour, a lot of them. Okay. You know, that, that's, that, that's what they like is that, you know, they can, they can get out of a city, Liverpool, Manchester or Stoke or somewhere like that. And they can very quickly, with under an hour, they can be in the countryside. Nice. And that's what people want on a Friday night. They don't yeah. want to be sitting on the motorway for hours. No, no. So you're quite good. And you're open all year? Yeah, the touring yeah. park's open all year mm. on the hard standing. The mm-hmm. camping field closes at the end of September too. I, I can't call them normal guests. And then it opens <laughs> to the rallyers after that. Okay. <laughs> I do, do apologise to rallyers. They're not they're not, not abnormal. They're just, no. <laughs> they're just a, a different breed. So it's the rally season from October to March and we have a number of big rallies now who, who come to us. Do you? Which are interesting, especially when the field is wet. Yes. With a lot of tractor work dragging them off. Yes. Because it's hard to cancel a rally when your your winter money is is sparse. Right. And the rallies bring catering, so we cook Christmas dinners. Oh, wow. God, that's key. That's very good. Um, Yeah, the rallies are the hardest of the hardy, aren't they? They will be quite used to a bit of of mud. They're not not too put off by that, I wouldn't think, in my experience. (laughs) And so it has... Demand on been getting better each year then over the seven years? Obviously, you've had COVID in the meantime as well. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. without a doubt. I mean, the first, for an example, the first September that we were here, it was British Superbikes at Alton Park. And the, the guy who we bought the site off had said, oh, yeah, big, big, big business comes from Alton Park. So I was, I was looking forward to this surge of bookings on this mid-September weekend. Yeah. And we had four people on the campsite. Oh, no who were going to the track. So I spoke to every one of them and said, right, where is everybody else? What do we need to do? What do you want? What will make people like you, the mm-hmm. sort of older superbike fans, what will make people want to come? And they said, well, we'd like some food. I said, yeah, I can do food. We'd like somewhere warm to sit. I said, yeah, I've got a big barn. Entertainment would be a bonus. I thought, okay, I'll leave that one with me. And they said they wanted somewhere warm, somewhere to keep to dry their gear if they'd come on their bikes. And I had a little snog and I said, yeah, I can do that. So word started to get around. Good word Um, about. Steadily, my Superbikes weekends have increased in occupancy and the, the one last week was full. Was it? Oh, well done. And I think last September we were full as well. So that's purely, that's, that's, you know, almost solely superbike fans. It's our it's our favourite weekend of the year because it the site's not full of children. It's it's all older, you know, middle to older age people who've they they've just come to go to the track. They love mm. the pizzas as I put on a curry night. We had live music. Oh, they lovely. all sit in the bar. And they they all just talk superbikes to each other. Yeah, um, they've all got something in common. Yeah, they, they, make, <laughs> they make new friends. Oh. They get they get bacon and sausage butties in the morning. Oh wow! And they just walk to the track. All right. And that they're, they're they're the easiest guests. They're so we have so many repeats. You know, we all know their names. That's and it's nice. Just a brilliant weekend. So you know, that's definitely shown how you can look at your audience and you know try to you know try to work out what you need to do to make then want to come through, and that's been a really yeah. story so you're obviously a quick learner <laughs> you've got to got to know your customers you have, you have to be ready don't you yes to survive but you could just you could have just sat there and cried but you've got on with it you've yeah. got some get, got, got some good get up and go there and do you do a lot of marketing or do you just remain rely on word of mouth it's a lot of it is word of mouth a repeat yeah. custom is huge recommendations we have so many people say oh my, my, my friends have been and they loved it yeah I am trying to do more with Facebook. Just time time consuming. To, to start off with, I yeah. relied a lot on print. So we would spend a lot of money advertising with the Caravan and Camping Club and the Caravan and Motorhome Club or whatever they're called now. Yeah. And, but that was a lot of money. It was £700 a year to have a very small slot with them. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've never any way of knowing, you know, because we didn't offer any discounts. So people didn't have to show us their membership cards. Right. I did some newspaper adverts. Yeah. But again, really hard to know if you're getting any return on that investment. Mm-hmm. So I do a few now. I do MMM and Open All Year and, and the rest of it's now Facebook. Um, so, yeah. I've, we, this year, for the first time, we've employed a professional marketing company oh, who okay. specialising in caravan parks. Right. They've been running our Brilliant. Facebook marketing campaign. 
Good. Kind of targeted the older generation. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. Um, <laughs> no, it's a different skill altogether. I quite understand yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Even got time um, anyway. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. to try to increase the midweek occupancy okay. because it's it's such a shame when we've got this beautiful park that's practically empty in the week. Yes. And it's when the older people they prefer the quiet. They want yes. a nice peaceful path, and it's it, it's not that at the in the at the weekend. It's generally quite full and yep. busy and mm-hmm. lots of children and so mm-hmm. it, it's it's getting the message out that come in the week because it's beautiful <laughs> you know it's, you've got the place to yourself all yeah, the so. you don't need to travel at weekends if you don't have to yeah that's right so but they've not really been out since covid it's it, it's uh, it's taking a long time for the older generation to come back is it that's interesting yeah. so have you had lots of people who are new to caravanning come out now Yes, um, post-COVID was bonkers. Was it? Everybody bought a tent during COVID, I think, especially because they weren't going to be able to go abroad. Yes. And when we opened on July the 4th after the first lockdown, honest to goodness, it was absolutely ridiculously bonkers busy. (laughs) Was it? I had to to go up from four staff to six staff quickly as possible. Wow. Because we had an enhanced cleaning regime whereby it was cleaned. Yes. And they injured their life every three minutes, it seemed. Yeah. And we we had arrivals. We, you know, some days we were having sixty arrivals, sixty departures, which is, which, which it doesn't normally happen. It's like uh, only happens on a Friday. Yeah. And there was lots of people with lots of brand new equipment, which they had no idea how to use. Car- brand new caravanners, never towed before. Yeah. Um, lots of new camper vans, new motorhomes. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it, it was it was great for business. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but it was an interesting time. It was as if the cork had been released from a champagne bottle. And good analogy. It was it, really, wasn't it? Yeah. We we just couldn't push it back in again. Yeah. Because it was frenetic. Marvellous. Well, that's good. I'm really pleased to hear that. You, I'm not surprised to hear you're busy, but it's, it's good for the whole industry, isn't it? Yeah. And lots of campsites have gone down the route of adding glamping units or what, such or other accommodation. Have you considered that? So I, n- I noticed you haven't got any. Well, you've got a, a small chalet thing, I think. Yeah, we, which we inherited. But uh, yeah. we did talk about it initially, but it wasn't something that we ever really wanted to do. It was more a question of, you know, is it more lucrative? Yeah, there's a business case. But where we wanted to put the glamping pods was in the far end of the camping field and there was no utilities down there. It would have been a major, major investment. And we we looked at it, we went to one of the shows at Stonely and had a really good look round mm-hmm. and just came to the conclusion that actually we're doing this well. Mm-hmm. Let's stick with what we're doing well and let's just be a campsite and for caravans. Okay. And then... There wasn't the consideration that also your staff have then got to do turnaround, change arounds, you know, and if you've got 10 glamping pods, you've you've got to really increase your staff to be able to cope with the okay, that's the, a good point. The, the turnarounds yeah. that you would need in terms of the, the cleaning and mm-hmm. bedding and, and and hot tub cleaning and all sorts of things like that, which we just we just decided it was not not where we needed to be. Right. Okay. That that makes makes a lot of sense. So let's get on to some more topical issues: electricity prices, and also the the, the number, the amount of electricity people are using. Yeah. Uh, I know you told me a bit about that, but could you could you, uh, for the sake of the listeners to this, remind us of where you're at with that and what your experiences have been? Yeah. I mean, it, so in the campsite, when we bought the campsite, there were 16 electric hookups, and there were 40, 50 pitches that didn't have hookup. And what we were finding was that the 16 hookups were selling out and the rest of the campsite was largely empty. So we doubled to 32 hookups and we were rewarded by that because they were being sold out most weekends. Then during one of the lockdowns, we decided that we'd just make it all electric because the occupancy on the non-electrics was so low. So what we have now is we have... You know, those, the old fashioned days, I, I, I liken my sister and her husband who camped for years and years with a, a very small tent. They had a trangia, they had a, a primer gas lantern. Oh, yeah. They had a couple of roll up beds and they were just, you know, so happy in their little tent together, consuming nothing. That Those days are gone and those campers are. Or an absolute rarity now. You know, people turn up, they blow their tent up to start off with. Uh, yes. They often have a transit van because they can't carry it all. Right. They blow up their, they, so they plug into my electricity, they blow up their four beds, 
and then they blow up their three-piece suite because they've all got these inflatable three-piece suites now, which I've never seen anything like it. You know, they switch on their several beer fridges. They'll cook with an air fryer. They'll make their bacon with a hot plate, you know, and then what some of them are trying to do is then charge their cars overnight. When, of course, that's the when next thing. Watching. So it's a huge, huge drain. I mean, we had a couple the other week who said, we can't wait to go back to bed. We've both got our electric blankets on. <laughs> and James's face, how he didn't evict them at that moment. Oh. You know, it's... a. Nobody has any idea. They've paid for a pitch with electric, and yeah. therefore we are going to use that this electric. And by golly, they really do. It gets a hammering. Right, but presumably, so, presumably, you've costed that in in the past into your into your charges. But at the moment, I suppose the usage is increasing, increasing, and of course the costs have increased as well, haven't they? Yeah, and the problem yeah. is that all of our costs have increased. So to empty our awesome point increased, you know, yeah. to dispose of the, our waste disposal is a huge cost. And that's, yeah. that, that rises, you know, at, at a ridiculous rate, right. you know, wages have gone up. Yeah. Uh, septic tank disposal has gone up. So all of our costs have gone up and yet we, we can't put our pitches up, up that much. We've, we, we had a rise of two, two pounds per pitch, which we implemented when we knew our electricity was going to go up in June. Yeah. Put every pitch up by two pounds. Mm-hmm. I've had to put them up again another two pounds for next season. Mm-hmm. But that's putting us up at the far at the, the higher end of, of pitch prices. So my pitch prices range from twenty-four pounds to forty pounds for next year. Right. And we just don't we don't want to price ourselves out of the market. Yeah. But, yeah. But but all of the increased costs just mean that any profit that we were making is being eroded, and and that's the that's the thing that people they they have no idea of our costs. No, no, and, and, and neither did we, to be honest, when we bought the place. <laughs> right, right. It's uh, that's very, very scary hearing about every cost going up. It's amazing, you put the prices up more, really. Well, it, but it, but it's a gamble, isn't it? You yeah. just you just can't. If you've got to be really careful, I mean. One of my Facebook, somebody replied to one of my posts, uh, bloody expensive. So I replied, we are we are on the higher side and there are many cheaper campsites that you can find. And yeah. that's all I can say, maybe, isn't it? You do get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an immaculate park. The toilet block is immaculate. And all of the reviews just talk about that. So we we can charge a little bit more, but you, we can't price ourselves out. No. Um, so... All of the increase of costs yeah. will be taking away from any profit that we might make. I mean, is, that's, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen lots of comments on various Facebook groups about pitch prices and the amount of people using electricity to heat awnings, and obviously charging cars is a, is a, an emotive topic as well because some people think that's that think they're paying, they're they're subsidising other people. Some and some campsites charge extra for it, some don't. Even the even the two clubs, have, I think, have got different different policies on it. So it's a new issue that's not going to go away, isn't it? It isn't. And and, and talking about people heating their awnings, I mean mm. that absolutely kills us when we walk around in the evenings, and you know the caravanners particularly when they're sat outside and. They've got these, you know, enormous heaters, and oh, I mean, we could cry. I bet. I bet. You're, you're, you, you, it's like heating your house with all your windows and doors open. Exactly, it's, it's a bit of a futile. Out. It's, yeah. It, it's it, for us. It's it's almost the most irresponsible thing that you can do. And mm-hmm. but how do you educate people about that? You know, you can't knock on their doors and say, "Turn off your heaters." We we don't have a rule. That says that, and even if we did have a rule, most people don't really read the rules. To be honest, right? I don't know what the answer is to that. I mean, the only answer is to, to install a meter and then charge them for how much they use. But that's... yeah, yeah, we would absolutely love to do that, James. When we knew how much our electricity was going up, but, yeah. so it had gone up from sixteen p a unit to forty two p a unit. Ouch. Yeah. So James, oh, lost weeks of sleep to be honest yeah. and spent hours and hours with on the phone to all of the companies who provide electrical solutions to parks basically trying to find this ideal scenario whereby they pay for their pitch they roll up they scan their credit card to get an amount of electricity if that runs out they top it up with their credit card 
And when they leave, they can have whatever they haven't used being refunded because, but, but that technology isn't out there, not, not in that depth. So you can have a slot meter so people can pay, you know, put coins into a meter. Mm, sorry, um, not very easy. We can go around and physically read meters. Right. But that's just not practical when you've got the turnaround that we've got. And then right. you'd be wanting the people say, well, I only used... Yes, uh, another minefield. ...for two of the units and I paid for 80. Can I have my eight yeah. units back, please? And the, yeah. so the bureaucracy involved yeah, yeah. trying to manage that yeah. is, is not tenable. I wonder how other... I mean, the other other campsites or other countries do because certainly i've stayed on a campsite in uh, austria out of season where there was the electricity was definitely on a meter and they were gonna they were they, i guess they were doing the system of i was settling up when i left so yeah okay. as you say that's quite a lot of admin isn't it well if you know if, if, there, if there was something out there that meant that as they checked out they paid for their electricity mm. we'd certainly look into it but i i i, I certainly don't think it Anything to say, yeah. found that, that in the UK. And that's another cost to you to install meters as yeah, well. And, and, and in, in terms of the touring park, that would mean we basically have to start again because the, the cabling infrastructure isn't there to do that. So we would have to close uh, and, and completely start the touring park again. Yeah. Which would cost us, you know, that yeah. in itself would cost us thousands without installing without the cost um, of it. all of the meters. And, and we can change all our meters so that we, we can read them on a, a sort of an analog meter, right. a digital meter. Yeah. But, but it's just the workload and the yeah. cost, you know, let's say a thousand pounds per pitch in terms of the electrical and it, we just haven't got that. No, no. No, I can understand that's a massive investment and your time as well, the whole. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very tricky. Yeah, I, 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 but I'd have to say that the, the the news last week about the cap. Yes, I mean we've we've been absolutely waiting with bated breath to find out what I bet what the government you know because they promised that they were going to do something for businesses and then obviously unfortunately we got delayed. You know, all that yeah. got delayed and yeah. You know, every day we were, you know, what is the flipping announcement <laughs> And then when it finally came out and I got a news flash on my phone and I ran out to James, I said, they're coming at 21p. <laughs> um, and, you know, we could have cried because that... Well, that, that makes a big difference to you. I can, I can well, completely it's understand hard, It's going to hold yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, yes. So August electricity bill was six and a half thousand. Wow. You know, and that's just that summer usage. You've got to bear that in mind. Yes, of course. Cool. And you know, we had a nice we had a nice August. So you then put that into you know 30, 30 vans who are all on a rally in December. Well, we'd have we you know how much are they going to be using? Yeah, um, but but in the future, I can I can see gas being used less and less. Really, certainly, I, I heard on on a radio interview the other day that I think in terms of new house builds, there is as part of the government's aims targets for more efficiency and reducing probably carbon emissions or whatever it is. Houses, it's not that far into the future, won't be built with gas boilers anymore because they don't want to be reliant on gas going into into the future. And you could, you could. Pair that back down to caravans as well, really. I mean, there's the, if, if a caravan, you, uh, Thetford, for instance, do fridges that will run on dust electricity and 12 yeah. volt for camper vans, etc. Mm -hmm. It would make it a lot easier, for less weight in a caravan and, and everything else if it didn't have to carry a gas bottle as well. But that then makes people then more reliant on your electric hookup. But at the other extreme, actually, the editor of uh, Which Motorhome this month was talking about going away in his camper van and he had solar panels and everything else and he wanted to go uh, off-grid. But there was little incentive to do that because he was, if he's going to a campsite where the hookup is included in the in the price, mm -hmm. there's little incentive to then not use it. So he's at the other end of the extreme for people who are trying to go off-grid. But then there aren't a lot of pitches, well... Without hookups, I suppose you've said people want hookups, so that's what you've. Yeah, they want them. Yeah. And, and the I don't mind, you know, off off season. Yeah. If I'm quiet, if, if somebody doesn't want to to pay, then I'll take four pounds off their bill, which is what we used to charge extra for electricity a night. Uh, okay. And I'll take that off because I'd rather have somebody paying me twenty pounds rather than twenty four pounds. Yeah. Okay. Because we know for a fact that people are using a lot more than four pounds a night of electricity. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Now, that would be quite an interesting figure to come up with to work at how much electricity people actually, or what the cost of that electricity is per night. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's getting closer to ten pounds. Is it? Night. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and some more. Yeah, I bet. The, the vans who are heavy on their electricity, you know, they don't use the gas for heating and fridge, et cetera. Yeah. 
they can be certainly above £10 a night. That's interesting, gosh. Wow. It's interesting to hear it from the inside. That's yeah. uh, that's quite scary. So yeah. obviously caravanners are using, are using more power these days because we're charging gadgets as well. Yeah, I mean, it, but it used to be just charging gadgets. I remember the first people who wanted electric hook up in their tent and they said, you know, we need to charge out, you know, the kid's iPad or, yeah. know, and that was fine. Yeah. We could cope with that. It's, yes. the, it's the, you know, huge reliance now on everything that is electric. Yeah. That, that, that That's the problem. And people have more and more gadgets and more and more camping toys. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge business. I wish I was in selling of high-end camping equipment uh, because they're doing very well um, i hadn't thought about the electric pumps for pumping up tents and, and awnings as, as well but some of them are manual pumps and i suppose I think, yeah, I think some of them are but it's all the amount yeah. of stuff that they have in them and and like i say you know the people plugging in their electric blankets that was just the, that nearly killed james <laughs> i haven't heard of that before <laughs> and, and, and it's not funny now obviously you've got the people plugging their cars in well i was just going to ask yes that yeah, and that's yeah. that's going to get more and more isn't it yeah, but but it's it's been a. It, this is the first year that we've really noticed it because as yet not very many of the caravanners are being the caravans are being towed by electric cars. No, no. Uh, but 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 the campers are certainly turning up in electric yeah. cars. Okay. Um, and we didn't do anything about it at the start of the season, and then we 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 found out that a couple of people were plugging in. And uh, so we've tried to address it quite quickly. We've put a paragraph into our website about the fact that, you know, it's not free. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't pay for people, we don't subsidise people's diesel mm-hmm. to get here. Mm-hmm. People really shouldn't be expecting to plug in. Mm-hmm. We are going to install an EV charging point in the car park over the winter. Great. So that Great. we could at least say to people, you can't do that. Yes. You can use that. Yes. So we're offering them a solution. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've, we had a, a, a guy in a Tesla earlier in the season and he, he was very honest. He rang up and said, I'm coming in my electric car. I'm coming for a week. I will need to charge it. So, you know, it, when he arrived, he and James had the conversation. He said, I can show you exactly how many kilowatts I have used by the end of my stay. And then we timed it by 0.42 and we came up with a figure. And okay. that was, you know, that was a really honest and fair yes. approach. Yes. But he's in the minority. Right. And because you've got hybrid, plug-in hybrids as well, which are more, you wouldn't even notice that they're electric particularly, would you? No. So we, we are, we have now got something on our website. When you're booking, it says, are you coming in an electric vehicle? Ah, uh, okay. And we can now tick that box so that on arrival, we can have the conversation with them. And we've we put a, we've we put an arbitrary, not an arbitrary, but a figure that says, if you plug in, you will be charged at £20 a day. Right. Now, a lot of them won't be using £20. Yeah. But it's we're trying to use it as a deterrent. Yeah. And as a way to make people have the conversation with us. Yes. So that we can charge them fairly. We don't want to penalise people. We just want them to be aware that okay. it, it's not a free, it's not a free plug-in. Yeah. Yep. So if they speak to you in advance, you can discuss it and come up with a plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 a lot of the cars now apparently you can tell right they can they can demonstrate to you exactly how much they have how much yes. power they've used and and you know that's a that's a really fair way of doing it. Okay, okay, yeah. I know that's been a very hot sub, hot topic on on some of the forums I've looked I've seen as well. Well, you've got to cater for it then because there's going to be more and more electric cars. I was at the tow car of the Euro Awards on last week last Friday, and uh, there was a surprising number of electric cars entered this time. So it's yeah, it's starting. We all know it's going to go that way. Uh, once they can tow bigger caravans or the caravans get lighter. Yeah, that's going to be... I mean, ideally, it'd be beautiful to have an electric charging point on each pitch, but that's a, uh, that's going to be some way off for the sound of it, isn't it? But it's, you know, the, the, the infrastructure needed to do that, you know, yeah. lots of small rural sites will not have the amount that amount of electricity coming in by... A country mile. Yeah. You know, we're, we're quite lucky. We've got three phase that, that goes, you know, directly over us. So so we can pull from that to, to, to install charges, you know, just even to have two charging points. Yeah. There's a huge draw on electricity. Yeah. And a lot of sites aren't going to be in a position. No, they're not. Because they've got the infrastructure yeah. to do that. And hopefully, maybe it comes down to the local authorities then, or the local area supplying, supporting people who are tourists who are coming to that area. Then, or otherwise, those campsites are really going to lose out, aren't they? 
Hugely, yeah. In, in 10 years to five, 10 years' time, however much it is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be, I'll, I'll be frank with you. When we found out that our electricity was going to triple, mm-hmm. and we knew how much it was going to go up by, mm-hmm. we were not earning that much money. Right. We, you know, we haven't got that much money. We've never made that much money in profit to yeah. cover the amount that the electricity was going to go up. Wow. And it was a, it was a you know, we are a successful campsite. And we have been very honest with with each other and with other people and said, we, this could make us bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Very, very serious. You know, we we just haven't got the money to, to pay for this increase. So the government off, offering six months of support, and especially through the winter, and especially coming out of all of the COVID times, which were, you know, lean, mm-hmm. we, we've got to think... That's great for the winter, for these six months. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. But what next? Yes. You know, are we are we going to go back to, you know, 40 pence? And I know that some sites are finding that they're now on a 60 pence feet, you know. Wow. And you, they can't sustain it. No. They just can't sustain that. You know, sites will be going out of, will be going bankrupt without government support. There well, is and pitching's going support. going up more and more as well. I suppose that's the only other way. But you say it just yeah. gets more and more and more yeah, out of people's budgets as well. Then is it? Which is a yeah. shame. That's not good for the industry as a whole, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. Well, that's a bit depressing. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's what I wanted, needed to hear, really. So, oh, well, I'm glad to hear that overall you're still happy, you're enjoying it. Would you buy another campsite, branch out, become a no. chain or anything now? Stick no, to the one family business. No, this, this is it. This, right. this we, we haven't got the... Bandwidth. That's a good coin of phrase. Mean, we'd be too stretched and we'd have to, you'd have to get a manager in on one site in order to be able to, especially to get a site off the ground and up and up to the standards that we would want it to be. Yeah. And we, we've, we've done it here. We're really proud of what we've done and we've worked extremely hard. We want to be able to ease off a bit now. The, the plan is to make the whole of the campsite into seasonal pitches. One of the huge benefits of that is that the seasonal pitches pay for their own electric hookup. So uh, all, of the, all of those pictures are metered uh, on a smart card. Yeah. They are completely in control of their own electric usage. So obviously we'd have to fund the build. Yes. But once they're built, they pay a, a set amount each year and they cover their own electric costs. So we'd only have the 35 pitches on the, on the touring part that would be touring. Right. So, you know, that's that's going to take a lot of time and planning. That's your long-term plan. Yeah, long-term. Yeah. And, and, but what that will mean is that James and I can sort of step back a little bit mm-hmm. and go, and, I'd like to spend a summer touring around Italy. Yes. In a motorhome, just going and seeing seeing the world and being able to enjoy sort of a semi-retirement, really. I'm, yeah. I'm in my 50s, James is nearly 50, and we've worked... You know, our books over the last seven yeah. years. I'd like to just be able to, in sure. a couple of years, just step back a bit. Sure. Did you? You got away this summer, didn't you, for a week? Did you say? Yes, we went to a campsite in France. Oh, that's right. Oh. A, bus, a busman's holiday. <laughs> yes, we, we didn't stay in anything on Wales. We we had a in cabine nice. in the woods on a lovely Castel Park. So, oh, yeah. nice. Yes, yeah, it was very nice. Oh, that's really good. So have you noticed any other trends in, in, in what consumers are wanting from a campsite other than just more and more electricity? They, they want more and more entertainment, do they? Or are they... Well, it, is it mixed it's up? funny. So we, we, do, we do pizzas on a Friday. Um, nice. So we built the pizza oven on our, in our first season. We'd actually had pizzas on a campsite in France on, and we just thought it was lovely. It was, it was brand new. It was a really, you know, these wood-fired pizzas hadn't really taken off. This was probably about nine years ago. Okay. And so we said, right, we, we're going to build a pizza oven. And so for people to get fed on a Friday when they arrive, uh, okay, and I, they absolutely love that. And our pizzas are delicious. Good. What can I say? And well, I, I wasn't there on a Friday night, so I missed out on that. But, but my, yeah. my friends from the Guild all said that they were very nice, and I definitely missed out. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of entertainment, some people... Some people do. And we, I remember getting a really stinky review that said uh, the clubhouse, there was no clubhouse and there was no this. Well, we haven't advertised that we've got a clubhouse. <laughs> we want somewhere with a clubhouse. Go to somewhere with a clubhouse. with clubhouses and go and find one. Yeah. It's, it's not something that we want to do. Uh, no. we, we put the park in. 
which we thought was important, and that's that has been well received. Good. But but other than that, generally people are quite happy that they can make their own entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they play in the field. It's lovely to see families playing rounders with their children. And, you know, that makes my heart sing. Yeah. We'll get off their devices and play. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, well, that's what I love about caravanning. We went in a motorhome to France this summer and uh, it, instantly the kids want to, my kids are teenagers now, but instantly they, they do spend less time on their gadgets and they're very happy to sit outside and play cards or family yeah. board games and stuff. And, and we just don't do that at home. It's that sort of, you get that quality time. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely fantastic. So, right, okay, so some some fun questions to finish with. What uh, If you could say a caravan or motorhome anywhere in the world, on holiday anywhere in the world, wh- where would your dream destination be? Uh, I would like to go to New Zealand. Oh, nice. That's a very... Yeah, I'd like to spend a couple of months uh, touring around New Zealand. That's my one of my big bucket list places. Wow, that's doable. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And if you had a magic wand, what would you wish for, for to benefit the caravan industry as a whole, or, or at least your sector? <laughs> the only thing I could think of was some way whereby... The toilet brush is actually used for what it's designed to be used. Okay, let's not go into details. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think of. Something that just meant that the toilets... A self-cleaning did... toilet, maybe? Yeah, well, that that would do it. That, let's let's yeah. leave it at that without okay. the, the grease yeah. in this. <laughs> okay, so I think you've already answered this next. What, what do you like most about working in the industry? It sounds like you find it quite fulfilling, seeing all these people having a, a happy time and you're... Right on the on the cold front there. Yeah, I I really like that. I love yeah. meeting all the different people, and similarly, I love seeing the same faces keep coming back. And you know, it's like Bobby, you're back again. You know, and and these <sighs> people who found us recently, they just keep coming back. You are, then they say you are my go-to place now. Oh, brilliant! And, and so you see them arriving, and all the kids are piling out of the car and they're dashing off to the park, or they're collecting their pizzas, and it's the same people who who just keep coming back and want to chat to you and tell you how amazing your place is and what's what's not to love about that. No, that's good. That is fantastic. Brilliant. If you could have a barbecue on a campsite with three people, celebrities, politicians, whoever, dead or alive, who would you invite? I would invite Joanna Lumley. Oh, brilliant. With uh, vodka. And Jennifer Saunders. Oh. Um, and, and, and if we could replicate the scene of them drinking wine in that chateau, well, like that, that, that's one of my favourite. I, I absolutely love that. You know, we'd have to have plenty of bottles of wine. Yes. Uh, champagne, surely, or sparkly. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. I really get mine. But they, those three could just, they would, they would, we would have, what a night we would have. That would be a memorable night. That would be a very memorable night. You might have a sore head the next day, but you'd definitely remember it for a long time. (laughs) I could live with that. (laughs) And uh, the other question I always ask is caravan or motorhome, which would be your first choice for a holiday, but you've owned a motorhome. So I think, I think I know what your answer is going to be to that one, really. Absolutely. Motorhome, not too big. Uh, I'm not into one, getting one of these Winnebago styles because they're not good on country lanes with our motorhome was. 8.7 8.7 metres, and that was plenty big enough. That's um, big. That's quite big. Yeah, yeah but it was, just, it was a big six-bed, Bailey approach, and we had such good time, didn't it, when the, when the girls were young, uh, like you say, playing board games, campfires yeah. on the yeah. sides when we were allowed to, and just going for long walks with the dogs, and they, those were real halcyon days. Yeah, that's on my kitchen. So did you make the most of being a teacher and having some longer holidays in the summer? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we did. We had uh, we had nice three week holidays most years. So yeah, didn't did enjoy it. That's brilliant, brilliant, cool. That's that's all I've got to ask you, really. I think I've taken up enough of your time. <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed the rest. Yeah, no, I've um, enjoyed it. So your your contact details, your your, your website is elmcottage.co.uk. That's right. And just Google Elm Cottage on any social media platform and you'll be there. Or, or which ones? Facebook, Instagram? Yeah, no, I'm not on Instagram. I haven't no. really got the bandwidth in my mental <laughs> 15-year-old head to get to grips with Instagram. I, I, I probably should. I'll have to decide whether it's worth the, the number of brain cells I've got left after a day of work to, to get to grips with well, it. And you can do it quite easier and just post the same thing on Facebook as, and Instagram if you want. Okay. Depends if it's the same people looking at it, really. But do you have a mailing list and everything as well there, don't you? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't rely on social media platforms no. in case they go pear-shaped. No. Yeah, lovely. No, no. <laughs> cool. Okay, Jackie, thank you very much indeed. 
That's it's been a pleasure, John. Thank you. It was lovely it, to meet no, you. Seriously, it's been really interesting, actually, and I think a lot more people need to need to know what it's like on the other side of running a campsite, a small independent campsite, or well, smallish independent campsite, because it sounds like it's, it's very rewarding, but it sounds pretty scary as well, if you ask me. Yeah, I think at the moment, anyway. Hindsight, we'd we'd have done a lot more research into, you know, the outgoings, you know, the overheads involved, which we were so naive about. But we've come through. You know. survived. Yeah, definitely. You haven't pulled all your hair out. <laughs> what about? Could you not have? Would you recommend somebody volunteer to be like a warden on a someone else's campsite first of all? Yes, I think that's so, a really good idea. Yeah, if you can do it that way, get get a feel for it. Yeah. And, and do you know one of the things that I've not really spoken about in this interview and I really, really should is that yep. my wardens are amazing. Oh, brilliant. And how do they find fantastic well, people yeah, like that? Yeah, so there's quite a few platforms. There's a Facebook page for wardens. UK campsites have a job page. We always go for wardens without experience because we want to mould them into our way. Ah, uh, okay. But they work so hard. I bet they do. They're on a great relatives and they have three days on and then they have six days off, which, oh, that's nice. which seems to really work for them. Yeah. But, but they are the, the face of the company. They're the people who show people to the pitches and they're superb and mm-hmm. very loyal. You know, one couple are about to start their fifth season next year and the uh, other's their third. And, you know, I do try to look after them because I want them to come back because, <laughs> you know, they're great. And all of the reviews talk about how friendly they are and how they love uh, being shown to their pitches. And, you know, it would have been remiss of me if I had not mentioned them in this. So they're critical to running of the park, aren't they? Hugely. Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like you've got it all, all going under control now, apart from the electricity prices, but I'll keep my fingers crossed for you on that front. <laughs> so, Jackie, thank you very, very much. That's been really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, John. There. So I hope you've enjoyed that interview. I thought Jackie was really open and honest. It certainly doesn't sound a breeze owning a campsite, does it? I didn't think it was particularly. Definitely a 24-7 commitment. But it's really good to hear how much she still enjoys it and, and loves meeting the people, being in, being in their own sort of environment like that. So having a lot of respect to Jackie and her husband for making it work over these challenging years, obviously with lockdown thrown in as well. And I really, really wish them all the best for the coming year when when they hope that they can sort out and get some stability into the, the costs of running their business. So that's it for this week. I will have another episode for you next Tuesday. And in the meantime, take care and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It'd be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.